So we're through five weeks in the fantasy season and you probably have an idea of how good or bad your team is. You might be the best team in your league looking for that one final piece to be a championship roster, or you might need to start making some moves to improve the squad. Well, here are the players that you should consider trading for no matter your circumstances before week six. And let's begin with the Rams. And I say this not lightly, workhorse running back Kyron Williams, who people are panicking over after he had a bad week five. And I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, it was a good game for him. No, he had 7.7 points. That's garbage for fantasy purposes, but 15 touches. Okay, let's dive more into that in a second. 57 yards, but here's the big thing. He faced the Eagles. And as we stated last week in our content and in our Yahoo pieces, that this was the sketchy spot of the week for any running back against the Eagles. Number one, defensive line. We also saw Cooper Cup return. He earned a dozen targets. Puka Nakua still saw 11. So people are saying, oh, Kyron Williams will not see any targets now. Well, let's just put all this to rest because it's just not true. Kyron Williams' role is still elite in this offense. According to our fantasy, our official fantasy partner in terms of data, fantasy life, you can see right here, Kyron Williams in week five, 85% of the snaps, elite. 92% of the rush attempts, literally as good as it gets in the NFL, and 76% of the routes, that's his passing game usage, also elite. Here's what this translated to. Kyron ended up earning 14 of a possible 15 running back opportunities, that is 93% of the opportunities. Simply put, he continues to have one of the best roles in fantasy. Now, some people were worried last week in week four when Ronnie Rivers ends up seeing 11 total touches for 57 yards, yes, but do you remember in this game, Kyron Williams had 28 touches. He needed somebody to spell him so he can get a breather. So expect the elite usage to continue for Kyron Williams and the matchups are only going to get easier here after this tough one against the Eagles and you can actually see how much easier they're going to get a matchup against the Cardinals that's as good of a matchup as it gets on the grounds the Steelers defense has not been good then he's gonna have a matchup against the Cowboys that stuff the Packers defense you can beat them you can beat them on the ground a bottom five run defense so those are three bottom 10 run defenses that he'll face in the next month go ahead and buy low on Kyron Williams the next man up is a man that a lot of people have been frustrated with because they haven't been able to play him and then when they can play him he doesn't do anything and it's Jonathan Taylor but here's the deal let me ask you a question what was the concern about Jonathan Taylor for fantasy there were some smaller concerns with Anthony Richardson being more mobile but the big one was his contract dispute and now that contract dispute is over he signed a three-year 42 million dollar deal this is much better than guys like Saquon Barkley got on his one-year deal and this is something that basically took all of our worries away now that he got paid so we had that information going into this week five game and we also had another key piece of information and that key piece of information came out on Saturday before the games were even played that Jonathan Taylor a whole 24 hours before for kickoff hey they said he's going to be on a snap count and it's going to ramp up over the next month and that's exactly what happened in week five jonathan taylor played just 16 percent of the snaps only saw 18 percent of the rush attempts and this is why you saw zach moss see a lot of usage and he ended up going off on that usage more specifically to the tune of over 30 fantasy points he had 195 total yards on 25 touches a couple of touchdowns and yes all the people who own jonathan taylor or bet on his rushing yards whatever it might have been were tilting in this game because yeah it wasn't great to see zach moss go off when jonathan taylor was back this is a great game for Moss, but it's not going to matter three to four weeks from now because the Colts pay Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor is a better talent than Zach Moss. Let's not just get caught up on one game. So expect Jonathan Taylor to take over the elite usage that Zach Moss has seen as a starter this year because this man, Zach Moss, has ended up playing 84% of the snaps and averaging 20 opportunities per game through four games as a starter this year. Now you're going to throw Jonathan Taylor back in there when he's 100% healthy or has his legs under him in two to three weeks. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now the concerns do remain with Anthony Richardson whenever he returns from this 
shoulder injury. It could be two weeks. It could be a month. It could be six weeks that, yeah, he's a mobile quarterback. He'll take away rushing yards and rushing TDs from Taylor, but that's kind of baked into this low price tag that Taylor is currently able to be traded for. So buy low on Jonathan Taylor while you can, while everybody dunks on him and jokes, including myself. I had some jokes on Twitter about Jonathan Taylor being the highest paid backup in the NFL. Buy low when you can. The next man to buy low on is actually going to be Chris Olave, who his role has completely flipped these last couple of weeks. And there's a reason for that. Now we can start with the week five usage. Quietly, the underlying usage was a season high. He ran 100% of the routes for the Saints. This game turned into a little bit of a blowout, but he was still out there for 100% of the routes. He earned 20% of the targets. That is decent usage. But over the past two games, he's only earned a total of 18% of the targets with Derek Carr injured with that banged up shoulder. And you can see the splits right here from my tweet. Over the first three weeks before the Derek Carr injury, when Carr can actually throw downfield because he wasn't injured with an AC joint sprain, which normally quarterbacks will miss two to four weeks for, but he's playing through it. Well, you saw Chris Olave seeing 10.7 targets per game. The last two games with this injury, just three total catches for 16 yards for Olave. Last week, his day was salvaged by a little bit of a touchdown in the red zone. And we talked about this last week. We said Derek Carr was only throwing three yards downfield per attempt because that's how bad his shoulder injury was. And this did improve in week five, but not all that much. He threw for 183 yards on 26 attempts. So this is an average of like seven yards per attempt, but the actual downfield distance on these, he wasn't throwing deep at all still. And the guys who are benefiting the most from this are Alvin Kamara, number one, 17 targets the past two games. And then there's Michael Thomas, who led the team with seven targets in week five. So I'm expecting Derek Carr still not to be 100% healthy for maybe another one to three weeks. But after that, and it could be as soon as two weeks from now, I think Chris Olave's usage goes back to what it was the first three games when he was averaging over 30% of the targets and was a top five receiver in usage. So it may be rocky for a week or two, but buy low on Chris Olave while his value is so low because it won't be a month from now. And before we get into this next wide receiver that you need to trade for, make sure to hit the subscribe button. We are pushing towards 100,000 subscribers and 70% of the people who watch these videos aren't subscribed. If you find it helpful, hit the subscribe button. All right, that wide receiver that I just hinted at is Nico Collins, who it's been a roller coaster season for him the last month of the year. Let's take a look at these sleeper fantasy points here. You can see from week two to week five. So these last four weeks, the last month, he's basically rotating 30 point games, 28.6 with five point games, 5.4. And it goes to 36.8. Then it goes to just 6.9. This is up and down. This is not consistent. It is very boom or bust. But this past week, he did have a tougher matchup against the Falcons secondary. That is good. They are a top 10 unit. And they were actually able to cool off CJ Stroud, who had been very hot the past month of the season. They held him to under 250 yards. He wasn't all that dynamic. He still looked good and composed back there, but he wasn't able to break off these big plays to guys like Tank Dell or Nico Collins. It was sort of a suffocating defense that Atlanta rolled out there. And now I'm getting questions. Hey, should I trade Nico Collins? He's so up and down. He's winning me some weeks, but then he's losing me some weeks. And the answer is no. If you wanted to trade him, you do it on weeks like last week when he pops off and you can get a lot back for him. Not off of bad weeks. That is just bad business. Because entering last week, Nico Collins was a top five fantasy option. That's how good he's been up there with all the elite names, you know, from Jefferson to Tyreek to Diggs to Adams to Keenan. You can see him right here. This is how good he's been. And it's not like he's just getting lucky scoring a couple of touchdowns. Maybe it was one big broken play. No, those points that he's scoring top five entering this past week are legit because he's fourth in wide receiver efficiency, ninth in downfield usage, and fourth in picking up yards after the catch. He's literally quite literally been one of the best wide receivers in football. Now in week five, his underlying usage was actually the best that it's been all season, which is ironic given that he only scored about six fantasy points, but he ran 91% of the routes a season high. But this is probably tainted because Tank Dell got hurt in this game after a nice big catch of like 20 plus yards. He hit his head. They said it was a head injury, probably a concussion. So that explains maybe the increase in route participation, but he was still a top five receiver running 80% of the routes. So that's not as big of a deal. He only earned four targets last week though in a tough matchup. The matchups though will get easier because as you can see right here, he will have a tougher spot at home against the Saints next week. But then after that, things loosen up for like the next six weeks. The Panthers are a bottom 10 secondary. The Bucks and Bengals are bottom 10 secondaries. You go down to the Cardinals and Jaguars. These are all bottom 10 secondaries in five out of his next six matchups. Go buy Nico Collins. Not now, 
but right now. And also try and buy low on this next tight end who I tried to get you to add the past few weeks. And I also tried to get you to draft this guy before the season started. Hopefully you already have him. But if you don't, if you weren't able to pick him up because somebody else did or you already have a great tight end, then maybe that's why. Either way, you should buy low on Jake Ferguson. Because as you can see from my tweet right here, Jake Ferguson's route participation the last four weeks, how much he's out there running a route on a passing play. So can he actually earn a target if he's out there, right? That's what matters here. They've been increasing. This past week, a season high, 73% of the routes. And this should have been even higher because it was yet again another blowout that the Cowboys were in. So he probably would have ran actually over 80% of the routes. Now his production wasn't all that great. Three catches for 28 yards, but he did get us over 26 and a half receiving yards, which we took that bet. So thank you, Ferguson. But believe it or not, he was actually tied for the second most receptions in this game and the third most yards on the team. That's how bad the Cowboys offense struggled against the number one defense in San Francisco. And I mentioned that Dallas is playing in a lot of blowouts. Let's just break it down. Dallas has played in five games this year. Four out of five of those games have been blowouts. You can argue all five of them were blowouts. The Cardinals was just a 12 point game difference when they ended up losing, but they beat the Jets by 20. They beat the Giants by 40. They beat the Patriots by 35, and then they lose by 32. In all of these games, their starters, which includes Jake Ferguson, have not played any or a large amount of the fourth quarter, which is why I mentioned that he probably would have seen closer to 80% of the routes if he stayed in this game, which is really only something you see the elite tight ends like Goddard, Andrews, Kelsey play. And just check out how good Ferguson has been this year. He ranks second in targets per route run this year, earning a target on 31% of his routes, and he's sixth in tight end efficiency. And now one more thing to point out. Jake Ferguson currently leads the NFL with 11 red zone targets, but he only has one touchdown. That is going to change. Players with similar red zone usage this year are seeing anywhere from about three to four to even five touchdowns. So expect the touchdowns to start to increase. So if you can still add Ferguson, he's available in like 25% of leagues, do that, but otherwise go buy low on him. Now the next man up is T Higgins. And I know what you're saying, Sal, T Higgins is injured. His ribs are fractured or hairline fractured or broken, whatever that they are. And he's going to miss another couple of weeks. Yeah, he's probably going to miss another one to three weeks, but that's exactly why I want you to buy low. His value is low, but also his quarterback, Joe Burrow, this week in week five looked a lot better than when he did in week four, throwing for just 165 yards against a bad Titans defense. More specifically, he threw for over 300 yards in this game. He finally popped off. He throws 46 times, dropping back, showing their confidence in him, especially in the second half that there wasn't any sort of tightness in the calf or new tightness. And not only that, Burrow had his longest pass in the air of his career and added a 10-yard scramble in this game. And that scramble is important because it was his longest scramble of the year, which means probably the calf was feeling a little bit better. There was no injury after that. So the takeaway is since Joe Burrow is looking healthy and getting healthier, it's going to mean good things for his top weapons like T. Higgins. And Higgins has played in three completely healthy games this year. And as you can see through this sample on Fantasy Life's data right here, this is free data that you can use. 93% of the routes is what he's running. And he's earning a very respectable 24% of the targets. That includes eight or more targets in every game and two tough matchups against the Browns and Ravens. And he put up nearly 30 points on the Ravens. Higgins injury was to his ribs. So it's a low re-injury rate for wide receivers. It's not like a hamstring or an ankle. So target Higgins in trades while his value is as low as it will be all year. And now let's discuss Tony Pollard, who's now seen back-to-back games of under 10 fantasy points, and people are starting to worry. As mentioned earlier with Jake Ferguson, the Cowboys have been in a ton of blowouts, which is taking their starters off the field, and Pollard is usually the first guy to come off the field in the fourth quarter. And this blowout trend continued in week five, and it only led to 12 attempts for Tony Pollard. Now, he actually goes out there, and he's pretty efficient on these for 64 yards. He continues to remain efficient even against a number one defense in San Francisco, averaging over five yards per touch. And look, entering this game, Tony Pollard was second in running back usage this year. He was second in carries, ninth in targets, and the big one had the most red zone carries. 31 was five more than the next closest back, Christian McCaffrey. And not only that, he has 16 carries inside the 10-yard line, which is nearly double any other player. But despite having 16 carries inside the 10-yard line and all those overall red zone carries, he only has two touchdowns. Running backs with similar carries of around 30 to 31 usually have about four to five touchdowns by this point. So this is going to increase. He's getting unlucky. For example, Christian McCaffrey has five less red zone touches and five more touchdowns. 
touchdowns this year. Now, I've also seen people pointing to, oh, Tony Pollard's not as efficient. He ranks 34th in yards per touch, 4.2 yards per touch. Normally, he's top 10 in this metric, averaging five to six yards per touch. Yeah, well, he's getting so many red zone carries, you can only get when you're carrying the ball from the five-yard line, five yards. So it's going to drag down your yards per touch and yards per carry. Look, Pollard is fine. The game environments have been as weird as possible. It's unlikely the Cowboys over their next 12 games are going to be in a bunch of 20 to 30-point blowouts. He's still a top 10 player the rest of the year. And next week in primetime on Monday Night Football, he'll face the Chargers. And in this game, yeah, the Chargers have the 28th ranked run defense. So go acquire Tony Pollard if you can, as soon as you can, and then acquire this next asset. And that would be the Fantasy Blueprint, which is going to give you every single thing you need to win your matchup this week and to get to your Fantasy Playoffs, take home a championship and schmack around your buddies. As you can see right here, I'll send you something every single day from the waiver wire tiers to the rest of the season rankings to the projections and rankings and the game by game matchup notes detailed the most detailed you'll find in the industry those matchup notes now here's a sneak peek at one of the tools you'll get it's the rankings and projections that are updated throughout the week and you can see it's projections based on my projection system that i have in the rankings and it's not just oh 25 running backs no if you're in a deeply you're gonna have everything you need i go down to 59 some weeks 70 running backs if there's no buys i go down to nearly 100 wide receivers 50 tight ends or so 30 quarterbacks it's everything you need to make sure you are set up with the best projected lineup each week this blueprint is extremely easy to get access to you just scan the qr code on the screen or click the link in the description below and here's the deal this is just five bucks for the entire year not the week not the day the entire season and if you don't make your fantasy playoffs i'll refund the five dollars it's risk-free you owe zero dollars you'll get it right back no questions asked i don't care if a player gets injured the rest of the year you get your five bucks back so to get access to this risk-free offer that over three thousand people are currently using scan the qr code on the screen or click the link in the description below and the next man up is joe mixon and the story remains the same for mixon here he's been in a couple of these videos in the past weeks he's seeing elite usage but just average production and that's exactly what we got in week five where this guy saw 29 touches 29 touches but he can only muster 94 yards which obviously isn't ideal now despite this poor efficiency the cincinnati bengals they're not really getting any other running backs involved they're just saying keep on going mr mixon because as you can see right here these last three weeks he's seen 77 percent of the snaps and 86 percent of the running back opportunities and in week five he was basically seeing season highs 89 percent of the carries and 63 percent of the routes run that's important because that's season high usage in the passing game those routes run 63 percent it's going to lead to more stability in terms of his floor and ceiling for Mixon. He had a nice four catch game this past week. Now check this out. So far this season, Mixon has just one total touchdown despite seeing 97 touches. So running backs with similar usage when they get to around 90 to 100 touches usually have four to five touchdowns. So he is due for a couple of touchdowns. He's getting unlucky here. He's expected based on his current usage this season to have four touchdowns. So expect Mixon to start finding the end zone. He has that nice receiving game role that's growing and Joe Burrow seems to be getting healthier. Heading into this next week, he's actually going to have a tough matchup. It's at home though against the Seahawks who are coming off of a buy they have one of the better run defenses in the league so far but either way because of the strong red zone role because of the strong usage overall he's still a top 15 back this week and you want to trade for him for the rest of the season now you also want to trade for this next wide receiver who's coming off a buy and that's the chargers wide receiver josh palmer who before the bye week in week four he got his first start of the season with mike williams out because williams is out for the season and he saw great usage in that game he ran 31 routes that was 97 percent of the passing plays he was out there running a route for and he earned eight targets which was two times more than keenan allen and it led this team and here's the nice thing palmer's average target in this game was 18 yards downfield that leads to massive explosive plays like he saw in week four when he had a game winning or a game clinching 51 yard reception now heading into that week four game after mike williams got banged up and wasn't going to play in week four and there was some questions what's up with the rookie quentin johnston some people thought johnston might take over the role right away as this one for one replacement for mike williams they somewhat profile out similar but not the exact same but quentin johnston did see his routes increase 22 routes but much less than what we saw from 
Josh Palmer. Palmer was the starter. Johnson had three targets to eight for Josh Palmer. And now check out this tweet that adds a lot of context to what Josh Palmer can possibly do and improve upon. Now, after the week four game, Palmer has now played in six games without Mike Williams in his career and averages 12.6 fantasy points on 8.3 targets per game. That's around top 30, top 25, depending on your league scoring wide receiver usage. And this should only improve as he has more chemistry with Justin Herbert, who, oh yeah, is playing at an MVP caliber. Right now, Herbert ranks fourth in quarterback efficiency is adjusted yards per attempt and first in completion percentage. When you take away throwaways and drops, he currently has completed 76% of his passes this year. So go ahead and target Josh Palmer, who coming off the bye week, yeah, the matchup against the Cowboys isn't great, but after that, nice matchup against the Chiefs, great matchup at home against the Bears. For what it's worth, Palmer's available in 50% of leagues. People probably dropped him because he was going on bye and they needed somebody else or he's just on their waiver still. Go ahead and add him if you can before having to try and trade for him. Now let me give you my thoughts on some of the most traded players over the past week in fantasy football and how you can either trade these guys, hold them, whatever you have to do. I actually want to start right here with Raheem Mostert because there's some interesting news that just came out and this news by the time you're watching this maybe we have more clarity but they're saying that devon a chain injured his knee in the last game and his status is to be determined and when people basically started saying hey is this going to be a rest of season injury he said to be determined i mean that's not great from the head coach not basically ruling out a rest of season injury now i don't want to jump up and down maybe this is just something that'll take a week or two so we have to kind of see i assume they're going to be doing some testing we'll see what happens here but before this news came out i was actually prepared to tell you guys that i wanted to buy low on raheem Mostert because all the hype was deservingly so going to Devon A-Chain, who through his first three games was averaging 12 yards per touch. The leader last year was averaging six yards per touch. He's literally been two times better than anybody was last year. But Raheem Mostart himself has also been good. So maybe you can still buy low a little bit before this news breaks and maybe it's really bad for Devon A-Chain. But either way, even if you have to pay a little bit more, if A-Chain does miss time and Mostart's stock goes up, I'd pay a little bit more in this offense for a guy who's going to see more touches. Look, he's averaging six yards per touch. That's still elite, breaking the second most tackles this year. And he was a top 10 scoring running back this past week, but it was just kind of like he didn't even play because all the highlights deservingly so like i said go to devon a chain but on just 12 touches he puts up 78 yards averages six and a half yards per touch and nearly 16 fantasy points like i said yet again another top 10 performance this season for moster and here's the deal in this offense snap counts really don't matter as much as long as you're seeing like 40 to 45 to 50 percent that's good but in week five Mostert handled 59 percent of the snaps now that we know this a chain news is out there maybe that's part of the reason why he saw more of the snaps or maybe it was just he was going to see this anyways they split the touches 50 50 12 apiece so here's the deal maybe you sold Mostart at his peak value a couple of weeks back three weeks ago when I was telling you go ahead and trade this guy but it was with the contention that you can get somebody in return like a Travis Etienne or an Alvin Kamara at that point or even a David Montgomery and if you did that high five to you that was a great move but right now if you have not been involved in the Mostart trade market this could be a good time to get involved because heading into this week he might see an expanded role with this Devon A.J. news and yes Jeff Wilson is still lingering and he should be somebody that now needs to be added in all fantasy leagues but as 14 point favorites at home that speed of Raheem Mostart is very valuable whether you have to pay not so much or you have to pay a decent amount for him i want to trade for moster and i also want to trade for some of these next guys on this list the most traded players Brees Hall has been the most traded or traded for player in the last week and honestly yeah even though he just popped off for like a 200 yard performance i'd be buying high on Brees Hall if i was you we've had him in this video last week two weeks ago saying you need to be buying Brees Hall. He's trending up in the skyrocketing up the players. Now you're gonna have to spend a lot more, but I think it's only gonna get better after the next three weeks. He has really easy matchups. I also think you can buy other guys on this list like Jalen Waddle coming off of a 10 target game and his big game is going to come at some point in this offense like it has for everybody else. Puka Nakua, the time to sell was one to two weeks ago. Not right now. Right now you're gonna get basically what he's worth. So you might as well keep him as a top 15 to 20 wide receiver. I'm getting a lot of questions about Garrett Wilson. This was supposed to be his breakout week and ended up being Brees Hall's breakout week against a bad Broncos defense. Zach Will 
Wilson still looked atrocious. End of the first half clock management was the worst I've probably ever seen from Zach Wilson. He had seven targets, Garrett Wilson, in this game. But if you can't get it done against the Broncos, I just don't trust you. And that's not Garrett Wilson's fault. That's Zach Wilson's fault. We go back to the list here. And a player coming off the bye week is Jerome Ford. And Jerome Ford, if you remember before the bye week, I said, hey, the usage was quietly getting better for him. Let's hold on to Jerome Ford. Let's not sell him. Maybe even you want to buy him if you can. But let's just not sell him yet. Because Jerome Ford, before the bye week, saw 62% of the snaps. But when we broke down into this game, it was a blowout. And he actually lost some snaps and carries on the final two drives to Pierre Strong, the third string back. If you take that out, Ford was playing over 70% of the snaps and seeing over 60% of the rush attempts in this game. That is very good context to have. If you have him, hold on to him. If you want to buy him, yeah, go ahead and throw a trade offer out. Other players on the screen we're trading for. I think Michael Pittman is fine to keep trading for. Back-to-back uh, bad games. This past week was a little bit better than week four. You can have Gardner Minshew, maybe a more stable piece than Anthony Richardson when it comes to just passing for this offense. Ramondre Stevenson, we have to talk about because for the first time this year, I've been saying buy low on him. Right now, I just don't want to touch him at all, unless obviously you can get him for dirt cheap. Because look at this right here, this column. The only column I really want to talk about is the snaps. Every single week of the year so far, his snaps have decreased. They started at 74% of the snaps this past week. 51% of the snaps. And on the opposite side of this, Ezekiel Elliott's snaps, the veteran, have increased every single week, making it a split backfield in week five. Now, the context there is that this was a blowout, so they didn't have to keep in the past two weeks have been massive 30-point blowouts. So that's a little bit of the reason the snaps have gone down, but none of that's really helping the usage of Ramondre Stevenson when you're down by 20 to 30. Another player I'm continuing to buy and even buy high is Alvin Kamara. The role is just elite. I think Kendra Miller had a nice game in garbage time. He's worth an ad in your 12-team leagues or deeper, like we talked about in the waiver video, but Kamara's still the guy I want to buy there, and I want to buy Isaiah Pacheco. We talked about this last week. Isaiah Pacheco's usage looked great in week four. 63% of the snaps. This continued in week five where he saw 58% of the snaps. But here's the big thing. 76% of the rush attempts is a career high for him, not just a season high. Now, over the last two weeks, he's seen 60% of the snaps, 70% of the rush attempts. Jarek McKinnon's not really involved in the offense right now. Clyde Edwards-Lair is not involved. You're getting a clear workhorse usage for Isaiah Pacheco. And this offense doesn't look as good, that's for sure right now. But Travis Kelsey avoided a big injury. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid's still there. This is a guy that you want in Isaiah. Pacheco. These are the fellas that you should trade for before week six while they still have some maybe low value or value that people aren't noticing, or even you got to buy high on guys like Brees Hall. So this is one way to improve your team, but the other way is the waiver wire. Maybe they're even free. If your waivers have cleared right now, you don't have to spend any of your fab budget. Well, these are the guys that you need to be targeting on waivers, not now, but right now. And if you found this video helpful, make sure you're not one of these 70% of people who are not subscribed to the channel. It takes two seconds to hit the subscribe button. It helps me, but it will also allow you to see my future content.